0: Let's, let's just stay right there for just a second. I'm sorry, but I, Kaylin mentioned something about um, just our, our, our loved ones and our family and our friends that we know are, are lost. And we, and I'm speaking to myself here, we've got to start getting a burden for these people. Yeah, yeah. And so I just feel like the Lord's wanting us to just take it just a second, just a second longer, and let's, let's just speak out those people's names that we know. And let, Let's pray for them. Let's intercede on their behalf that the Lord would convict their hearts, that he would, that he would reveal himself to them, that they would, they would start realizing that what, they, what they're longing for, what they're searching for, can't be found from anything in this world, but it can only be found in him. So can we do that? Can we just each individually? You know at least one person that you can speak their name out to the Lord right now and intercede on their behalf. So let's just do that right now. God, you hear these names that are being called out to you right now, God, and we just intercede on their behalf, God, that you would just arrest their hearts right now, that you would just convict their hearts, that you would just reveal yourself fully to them right now in this moment where that wherever they're at, and Lord, and for us too, God, that you would just teach us, teach us to love them in a way that is evident of you that reveals, uh, reveals you to them in the way that we live in the way that we speak. God, we just, we just pray for them right now in this moment. We thank you, God. Amen. Amen. All right. So, I've got to be perfectly honest with you all. I'm out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, I'm used to being in my fishbowl over there and I, I promise you I'm a lot more comfortable. And I've, I've spoken in front of people for most of my adult life. I'm, I was a high school teacher for five years, and now I'm a math instructor at an online college. So it's not, and I'm, I'm sure that you all don't want to learn about the quadratic formula, but um, I could talk about that stuff easily. But um, obviously this is this is kind of out of my comfort zone, but I feel like the the Lord has given me a word that I'm going to Share with you all, if that's okay. I mean, you all sounded beautiful tonight. Um, like I said, I'm usually in my fishbowl, and I don't really, I don't get to hear how good you all sound. But the Lord loves hearing hearing you all sing to Him, so I enjoyed that greatly. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, something, and I and it's our our testimony, and we're gonna look at a specific example in the Bible um, about the woman at the well. So um, if you have your Bibles, we'll we'll go to revelation 12 first of all um and so revelation 12 just to give a little context this is revelation's crazy (laughs) i mean you got some crazy stuff happening and if you think about the time that it was written um you know theater was a big thing people were writing in mythological ways so that's probably a little bit to do with the way that john was writing this stuff but obviously there's there's some symbolism there and we, can, and we can learn from it. So um, right here in, in Revelation 12, we have kind of a story of the devil um, at, the, at the beginning of time being thrown out of, thrown out of the earth. And, and um, well, let's just read it. So now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon's the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And this is what I want want us to focus on. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman. That's Israel. Israel. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, that's Jesus, but the woman was given two wings, given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half a time. The serpent poured water out like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood, but the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened his mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. That's us. On those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So, there's a lot happening there, but what I want to focus on is the fact that Satan was thrown out of earth, or out of heaven, down to earth, and he was... He's here now waging war against us. And it says here that we conquered him how? How are we conquering him? Through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I really want us to focus on that, and let's. And I want to look at like a specific example from the Bible. We, we could look at a bunch of different ones, but I feel like the um, I, I want to focus on this main one about the woman at the well, and even Donald talked about it last Sunday a little bit, so it's a little bit fresh on our minds. Um, and so... You can see here that, and I want to give just a little bit of foreshadowing. You can see here that this, this woman had an encounter with Jesus, but she didn't just sit on that encounter. What did she do? She went back into the town and she told people. So let, let's look at that and, um, and, and look at a few things along the way and just kind of dissect this scripture a little bit, okay? Um, I'm reading a lot of scripture tonight, but hopefully you all love the Bible. Um, and we'll we'll look at it a little bit. So this is in John 4, and it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So basically, you know, Jesus and his disciples, they're, they're having a lot more people come to them, and they're baptizing people, growing a following, and the Pharisees don't like that, obviously. The religious majority, they don't, they don't like what he's doing. Jesus knows that it's not his time to be crucified, so he's going away from him. He's getting out of there. Um, he doesn't want to die yet, and so he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, worried as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, so in the Jewish day, that's going to be about noon, 12 p.m. So probably hot. It's Israel. It's hot. It's in the middle of the desert, so Jesus is stopping to have a drink of water at the well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. So it's just Jesus here at this well with this woman, nobody else. And that right there, I just want to point out, he's risking a lot just by doing that. Um, and this time, uh, a man by himself with a woman at the well, that's kind of going against the status quo. And you're going to see that this is, a, this is a common theme as we go throughout this. The Samaritan woman said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So I want to I take a pause right here, if that's okay, and just kind of give a little background. Because th- this in parentheses you can see, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. What does that even mean? Why don't they, why don't they like each other? Have you all ever wondered that? Well, I have, so I did some research. <laughs> um, so basically, they didn't like each other. They despised each other. And so at some point in Jewish history there were a certain amount of Jews that kind of intermingled with um, different ethnicities, different, different types of people than Jews. And the Samaritans were formed of that. And by the way, Samaritans are still a people group. I, I thought that was interesting. Through my research, I found that. They're on the West Bank in Israel. They still, um, they, they're still there. There's about a thousand of them. Um, and so, they, they kind of separated from the Jews, the Samaritans did. And they built their own temple. But... And about 128 B.C., which would have been about 160 years before this has taken place with the woman at the well, um, the, the Jews went to fight with them, and they burned their temple down. So, obviously, some animosity here. They don't like each other. Um, and so, but just a little bit, little bit more background from the Samaritans. There's, I'm taking up a, a page from Clay's book here. This, this Hebrew word right here, uh, shamar. That is the hebrew word that samaritan comes from and so it means to keep or to guard well you may wonder what are they keeping and what are they guarding they believed that they were the only ones that had the true word of god and that true word of god was the pentateuch which is the first five books of the old testament genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy that's it nothing added to it nothing taken away from it that's all that they're looking at any, anybody that adds anything to it, like Isaiah, and we can see uh, Jesus is opening the scrolls and reading from Isaiah in his time. So any of the, these Jews that are adding Psalms and Isaiah to the word of God, ain't no good. Samaritans didn't like them. And so, I mean, that's the sermon in itself right there, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, so this, this word shamar, that means to keep her to guard. That's where Samaritans come from. And... They consider themselves to be the guards of the true word of God. They believed that they had the real thing, and um, that's it. The first five books of the Bible, no Psalms, no Isaiah, or anything like that. So they disliked each other so much, and I'm going to show you this picture. Typically when, so Jesus is down here in Judea, right, in the south. Typically when they travel from Judea to, um, up to Galilee, which is, this is what Jesus was doing, they would go all the way around to the to the east cross the river jordan go up cross the river again and then go up like you think about it it'd be like leaving here going down to Jellico, just so you can get to somerset just so you can not have to go through london and some of you might some of you might want to do that but um but it's like the equivalent that's how much they disliked each other didn't want to have any interaction with them at all but Here's the thing. Jesus knew that there were lives to be transformed, transformed in Samaria. So he went against the status quo, something that he's done for us a lot. Right. He doesn't he doesn't care about the the religious experts. He doesn't care about the the legalism that that's going on at that time. He knows that there's lives to be transformed in Samaria. So that's where he was going to go. And I think we could see that happen. Like, if you think back to our lives, that's what he did for us. You know, he, he went against anything, anything else, just to reach out his hand and reveal himself to us, and that's what he's doing for this woman here. He leaves the 99 to come after the one. So he didn't care that his disciples probably thought he was crazy. Why in the world do you want to go through Samaria? Them crazy people are there, them half-breeds, what they call them. Like we, we don't need to go through there. We need to go around it. But he did it anyway because he knew that there was work to be done. So we'll keep reading in the scripture here. Like I said, lots of scripture, but we love the Bible. So Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and he did his sons, uh, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, "Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. Thank God for that, right? And that's what that's that's what everybody in this world is searching for." something that's going to satisfy them, something that's going to quench their thirst. But we know that there's only one, one thing that can actually do that. So Jesus said to her, um, so the, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. So she, right there she's just showing her selfishness. <laughs> give me this water. I don't want to have to come back up here at this well in the middle of the day and get a drink. And that'll probably preach right there too. Why, why, are we, why are we seeking Jesus? What do, do we want from it? Are we doing it for our own gain? Are we doing it because we don't want to have to do certain things anymore? We don't have to worry about going to hell? Or are we doing it because we want to see other lives transformed as well? So, and then um, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband. For you have, five, you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not actually your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And right there, she's not even, she didn't even acknowledge what Jesus said. She just, you know, Jesus said, go bring your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. And then she doesn't even acknowledge that. She just like... Change the subject. Well, let's, let's move away from that. And so, um, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, and this is good too, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Doesn't matter if you worship over here or over there, time is coming and it's now here where we're going to worship him in spirit and truth, and that's what, that's what the Lord is looking for. God is, is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And I like what the Passion, how the Passion Translation puts it here too. Um, it says, from now on, Worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. That's good. It's, it's, not, about, it's not about where we're doing it. God doesn't care where we're doing it. This is kind of a side note. We're getting off topic over here a little bit. But it's not about where we do it, it's about, but it's about how our, how our hearts posture towards him. So think about that when you walk in next Sunday morning. So and then the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So there right there, that was the, the turning point. He just revealed himself to her. And watch how she changes. Then she immediately says, Just then his disciples came back and they marveled. Again, he's going against the status, status quo, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went into town and said to people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So all Jesus had to do was reveal himself to her. To her. I am he. And her demeanor completely changed. And what did she do? She, she didn't just sit on it. She didn't just start going to church every Sunday. And, and like we're saying, we're checking a box here. And she went back into town, and she told everybody, come see a man who told me all that I ever did, can this be the Christ? And all it took was Jesus revealing himself to her. She had been searching all of her life. She had five husbands and was with another dude. She'd been searching all her life for something that satisfies her. But now she had finally figured out what that something was, and Jesus was was that something. He revealed himself to her in that moment. He gives us what we, what we don't even realize we need. Jesus gives us what we don't even realize we need. She didn't even realize really what she was missing out on. She just knew that she was missing out on something. And Jesus was that something. So, you, you know, she was, she was probably tired, hot. She was probably feeling shame. In that, in that, you know, in, in that time, the, the woman couldn't just go say, hey, husband, I'm divorcing you. The husband had to give... certificate of divorce to the woman so i don't know what she was doing to do that the assumption is that she's sexually promiscuous whatever it may be but the husband she had five people five men reject her so imagine what that feels like and i you know we kind of feel i'm sure we have similar things in our life that make us feel the same way guilt shame um whatever it may be but then she had that encounter so what does she do she didn't just go back home and live happily ever after. She went back in and she um, she, uh, she she told everybody in the town, and we're about to read that here in just a second. But g- going back just a second to verse 15, um, when we were talking about th- the selfishness of it, how she she didn't ju- she originally said, "Yeah, give me this water. I don't want to have to I don't want to have to thirst anymore." But then after after she realized what was going on that wasn't the case, and yeah. I like this quote here, it says, it's from Matthew Henry, um, I'm not sure if it's up there, I forgot to put it in the notes, but it says, the human mind is ingenious, oh, there it is, sweet, the human mind is ingenious in, in shifting off convictions for convenience, so think about that, Jesus, or this woman, it would have been convenient for her to just take this experience, and just sit on it. To go back home, live a comfortable life, and just say, oh yeah, that was, that was cool. So I want us to think about that. When you have an experience with Jesus, what are you doing with that? Are you just sitting on it? Yeah. And I'm talking to myself here too. I don't want you all to, to feel like I'm preaching at you. But I'm, I'm talking to myself. What are, what are we doing with that? Are we just sitting on it going back home and living comfortably or are we going out and witnessing to other people telling telling people what what jesus did for us so look, look what happens when when we do share our testimony and this is verse 39 they went out of the town and were coming to him many samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony why did they believe in him because of the woman's testimony crazy to think about he told me all that i ever did she said so when the samaritans came to him they asked him to stay with him just took that testimony and they're like so this jesus guy he he did this for you and he revealed himself in 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 that way well let's let's get this guy to come back and let's let's see what this is all about that intrigue just from that testimony that's all it took and they were intrigued They wanted to see what this guy was all about. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, and this is so important, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So think about that process. Jesus reveals himself to the woman at the well, she goes back and tells people they're like okay this this seems like something let's get him to come here let's see what he's all about and then he turns that one testimony into many testimonies yeah. all because he reveals himself to her and then she goes back and tells people yeah. Yeah. so I, that's just it's just something to think about that's what the lord's really really been dealing with me and you know we're going through this summer shred and i probably haven't been as diligent as i wish I could have, but you know, maybe that's something that we can add on. We're coming into the last, share your testimony with somebody. That's, that's all it could take. So what, what does it cost you? Maybe five minutes of awkwardness. Oh no, it's awkward. But that, that one testimony sharing that five minutes of your testimony could turn into something incredible. So I just want you to to consider that and think about that. She went and gave her testimony to those who were, who were in a similar condition to her. And that, that's, that's another thing. She didn't go to the synagogue and give her testimony to people that already believed in Jesus. She didn't go over to the disciples. Hey, listen what this guy did for me. The disciples already know what he can do. What did she do? She went and gave her testimony to unbelievers. Man. So... Um, that's, that's the gist though. That's what I want us to remember is just sharing your testimony. So, and I know most of us, it's a Wednesday night. And, um, so I know most of us in here have probably experienced the love of God on some level, but I want to give my testimony really quick. And I've, I've asked a couple more people, um, to give their testimonies as well, just cause I feel like the Lord laid them on my heart. So r- real quick, we have a few more minutes left here. Um, so I, I can remember, I'm, I'm going to probably cry like a baby, so sorry. (laughs) So I, I feel like a lot of people's testimonies, like, you know, everybody has their own story and that's, that's what's beautiful about it. Um, I was fortunate enough to where my mom and dad are sitting back here. They, I was in church every time the doors were open. You no, know? and so I was I was fortunate enough to have that. So I can honestly can't remember a time where I, I didn't know the Lord. Um, but I do kind I I do remember the first kind of encounter that I had with him. Um, East eighty Pentecostal Holiness Church, right on the Clay County, Lund- uh, Laurel County Clay County line um after the sermon the altar call my dad was at the piano singing um a song that actually dan sang and this is kind of what sprung this back to memory he sang it a couple wednesday nights ago um at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light i still remember that to this day and i can't i was probably eight or nine maybe even seven but i can just remember I, i i probably didn't fully understand what was going on but all i knew is i needed to i needed to pray so I just remember taking one step goes back to what matt was talking you know you take one step everything's going to clear out of your way for you and that's all i really remember and i can remember kneeling at that altar and just saying lord i need you as an eight or nine year old boy and um th- that was kind of the first encounter and of course you know I-, I got older and did a lot of stupid things um and um had just a, a, the most I've shared this with only a few people, but just a, a crippling addiction to pornography and um but I can remember the moment then too that the 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 Lord broke that addiction off and you know you you look back at I look back over my life and I can just see his goodness every step along the way from that, that first encounter that I had with him to breaking that addiction that I had pornography, anxiety that was awful, that um couldn't hardly couldn't hardly sleep at night, just because of such bad anxiety and just worry and fear, and the Lord's you know He's redeemed all that, and of course I still have my struggles, but um but uh but He's He's had His hand on me my my whole life, and I'm sure that you all have similar similar experiences too so um i'm going I'm to hand it over to jeremy first and dad if you want to come on up here too um so i just want I, I feel like the lord's laid on laid on my heart to have jeremy and and my dad um give a give a testimony, just a just a piece of their testimony here so i want to hand it over to, to jeremy here
1: thanks brother so yeah i'll try to be uh real quick for time's sake um I remember a time when I, I used to think about my own testimony and I'd get a, like a little bit ashamed and like think that because like when I heard good testimonies, it was almost like it came across to me that like people hit this rock bottom moment, had a mighty encounter with God and then it was just like like a straight path from there and, and for me it's been like a roller coaster of that and I think that's honestly the reality like with most people's stories, it's it's we all have our kind of ups and downs and our Uh, Process, if you will, to find in the Lord. But um, so just to start, I was kind of born into brokenness, if you will. My mom was fourteen when she had me, Um, so she was a kid having a kid from the get go. Um, She quickly kind of got into the wrong crowds. Uh, My dad was a a weekend warrior, and you know, again, a kid trying to raise a kid. And so I I thank God for my grandparents who kind of take me took me in. They were essentially my parents. And um, although they didn't really raise me in church, they were present and they were there and they had, they, they had a degree of morals. And then later on in life, they got into church and different things like that. And so uh, I, I want to share kind of three seeds that were planted in my life that led to like the culmination of my salvation. Um, the first of which I can remember um, being in a Bible school in Owsley County at my, my great grandmother's house where she lived. It was a little, little country church right there. Um, up Sugar Camp is what it was called, and we went to a Bible school. And I remember for the first time, like the guy sharing Jesus with me, and and for what I was, I was like ten in the ten range at this this point, it's like I understood. Okay, I I probably need to pray, and I probably need Jesus. So I prayed the prayer. I remember it, um, but that's kind of where it ended. From there, I started going to church uh, with my neighbor, and so thank God for them. That's another group of people that were profound in my life. Um, Edith Jordan, uh, Ed Jordan's wife, I remember my, my good buddy Gary, she would take us to Sunday school and church every single Sunday. Uh, but long story short, I quickly got into my teenage years. And for those, those of you who know me and my personality, uh, you can imagine my energy directed in all of the wrong areas. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, I got into like the music scene. I played a lot of metal. I got into, like, the skate scene. I got into all those crowds, which led to, like, drinking and drugs and parties. And I had access to all those things through people I knew, through even, like, adults in my life. And so that was kind of the direction I was headed very quickly. Uh, So so First Seed, Little Country Church, VBS, it was there. I kind of held that through all those years of just wild going after, I mean, you think it, I've done it kind of thing. And I, I don't mean that jokingly, like, seriously. Um, so I experienced all that and then I met Brenda Ann, my wife, uh, when I was a senior in high school and when I met her, it was, uh, I started going to church with her some and I was introduced again to this lifestyle of Jesus and for the first time it was like almost it resonated that, that there was a way of life that was different than just not my experience in church before I'd saw like we go to church on Sunday morning, but that was it. That was like like it was the check the box, and then we live like the same, like the rest of the world, every other time. And so I experienced that. But then I met her, her family, how she was raised, the people she was around. And I met this group of people who were like pouring their life out for, like they lived different lives. And so at that point, like I remember a youth leader at the time, I like even like filled out like a, like a commitment card, like salvation card, like pray the sinner's prayer a like, hundred times, all that stuff. And so that happened, and then my senior year, I'm 17, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And so in that moment, it was like, it, so I'd felt the weight of, like, consequences and living, like, a sinful lifestyle and what that led to, and if you've lived that life, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then I'm diagnosed with a disease, so it's like, okay, death is a thing now. I'm 17, and, like, I didn't have, think i have to worry about that, but this doctor just told me that's probably going to kill me, and it's, like, freaking me out. And so you'd think that'd be, like, the, the click moment. And I remember the day I was diagnosed, again, going back to people in my life, my grandpa, he said to me, I walked through the house, he had heard that I got diagnosed, and he said, son, this is where your faith comes in. And that was another seed. So like three seeds in that season, like my BBS, my wife, her family and then and then my grandpa in particular in that moment. And you would think like okay, boom, now we're this is the moment where we Jesus. I actually got worse after that. I broke up with with my wife, or who's my wife now? I went in like even harder into like the sin, like partying and all the, all the stuff. And then when I was I was 18, I woke up one morning and I I remember sitting up out of the bed and it was like Everything from that moment, the roller coaster, the process, the people who had poured into my life, in that moment, I felt the weight of brokenness. And it, it wasn't this like, it, it wasn't a, uh, a, a proper theological knowledge of Jesus and the Bible or anything like that. It was, I realized in a moment, sickness is real, death is really real. Um, just brokenness from family stuff. I'd had like like I've got family members who were convicted for murder, and like I experienced like the sin and consequences of that. And just all of, I realized that there was a way of life that led to nothing but disaster and brokenness. And I realized in that moment, if I, it was like a pivotal crossroads, that if I wanted to be different, if I wanted life to shake out differently for me, I needed this this Jesus fella. And I felt conviction. For the first time, like real heavy conviction for the first time. And it was in that moment that, that I made a choice like, okay, I got I to gotta really lay aside things and do things differently. And so I quickly got back together with Brenda Ann. And then after that, like life, we, we together made a, a decision that we wanted to not just be Sunday morning Christians. And that we wanted to live different lives and it affect our life. And it really has. And, and here's the thing, life didn't just automatically get better at that moment. I got sicker, I almost died in 2012, um, right after, you know, getting married. Uh, my wife lost both her parents uh, to cancer, 13 months apart. And so things were just like, and I'm not, this is not a pity story, it's just saying like, things didn't get better. But the difference was, Jesus was with me through all of that. And he still is, and I, I real the, the the nature and the brokenness of the world that we live in is a real thing, and I've experienced salvation in Jesus, praise God, and 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 he's been with me every step of the way, and he's, he's there's you know I wouldn't be here, for example, if it not been for Richard Jones inviting me to a small group, and I met Clay, and then before you know it, we're here now, and so then I have two beautiful kids and a beautiful wife, and and. Anyway, the Lord has, it's been a process for me in terms of growing me, developing me, still leading me. I still have my struggles every single day. But again, the difference now is that He's with me through all that. And there's, been a, there's a significant change when you face life with Him versus without Him. And so I pray that if you've not experienced that this evening, and if you're wrestling with that, you're wrestling with the weight, you don't have to have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers there's still a lot of things that I wrestle with and I question, but I know one thing's for sure, He's been with me, and He's made a difference in my life, and He's brought me to a place where literally, if, if it had not been for that moment in my decision to follow after Jesus, I really do think right now I'd be dead or in prison. I, I really do believe that, because my life was headed straight in that direction, and it was just and I'm like, not just like a take it light. Like I, if we're doing something, let's go as hard as we can go kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So praise God for, uh, for, for his goodness, for his salvation. And I thank Logan for the word. That's really I, I'm comfortable sharing it here in church and in church like community. But like I need to share it with someone that doesn't know the Lord and someone that I don't even know. Or, you know so it's, it's been a challenging and a, a wonderful word. I appreciate you for sharing it, Logan. Thank you for the, the time. Alan?
2: Now mine takes longer because I'm, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> I don't think I'm old, but my grandkids tell me my, I'm old. Um, my mom got saved when I was a uh, one year old and, um, she and dad were in church over at, um, Kiwi. Dad was raised over there and, um, Um, they made the altar call and mom went to the altar and dad took me one year old outside. So dad didn't go to the altar that day, but, um, finally after living a life, a hard life, um, he got saved about three months before he passed away. So, so that's, um, something I'm thankful for. Logan gets it honestly. Um, I started crying in 1976, and I ain't quit since then. That's when I got saved. I was only 13 years old, but um, I um, now the church that I was raised in, it was um, uh, it was tough, tough. They had a, they were legalistic and um. I knew growing up I, as a kid, you know, you kids start noticing stuff. and When they're turned 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, they start noticing things going on in the home. They start listening to things going on in the home, and and they start paying attention to what mom and dad's doing and what mom and dad's not doing. They start seeing those things, and you start... Um, I started getting so bitter, so angry. Um, I think of that song that... um. They sing I'm a living witness of what the mercy of God can do. And um, you know, I was such an angry child. Um, a horrible, horrible mouth. You've seen some of these kids that are just angry and they're just cussing, cussing, cussing. That was me. I told my wife that just a couple years ago. She said, You had a potty mouth? I said, Yeah, I really did. I really did. Um I haven't done my share of shoplifting I was, I was headed down to, I, was, I was angry, I was bitter um, and God started dealing with me in dreams. and I thought the way that he was dealing with me in those dreams I thought I, i'm I'm just rebelling against God. So I thought, you know I'm probably never going to be able to please the God that you know we we get all these different interpretations of who god is you know one of our greatest interpretations of who god is 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 based on who our father our earthly father is we look at him and think that's who god is that's who he represents god that's who he is but i thought um no i don't i don't that's that's not what i want to do with my life um, he was an alcoholic um, all those years um I thought, no, I don't want to do that, but then I thought, with well, the church that I was raised in, not that religion, I thought, there's no way I can please that God. He'll never be satisfied with, with me, even at that young age, but it, he started to deal with me in dreams, and um, and I still, right now, today, I can sit down with you and tell you the dreams, vivid dreams, detailed, that he gave to me, and like you said, Jeremy, that, that one first step or was it Logan? One of y'all said, you make that first step. I remember sitting on the edge of my seat and um, I took that one step and that's all I remember. And I was at the altar. And um, um, what I can say is God has fathered me all these years. Um, getting myself in situations. I've been a lot of you know I'm I'm a businessman have been my whole life and and I would even get in some business deals that that I think God you're going to have to get me out there like you'd go to your dad yeah. and God would move and he would get me he'd make a way um more than one time and um it's amazing when we turn to God after after I turned 13 I got saved and then and then I turned almost inward clay it was like i just spent so much time alone i fed i read the bible through the first year i was married or i was saved married to christ first year that i was um a christian i read the bible through as a 14 year old kid and i would spend my time in the in um in my bedroom listening to music and we didn't have the worship music like we have today, you know, but, but you had songs like, I don't, y'all probably don't even know, most of, well, some of you might. Uh, you might remember that song ago, the Hemp Hills had, Consider the Lilies. You remember that song? Um, now, to me, that was a worship song because I wasn't just talking about a lily. He was saying, consider that lily. It don't toil and it don't spin. There's a heavenly father. You know, I would, I would listen to that group and I would pray. I would fast three days a week as a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid. Every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Saturday. And um hay season was rough. <laughs> because I'd fast without water or food. And man, by the end of the day, I was about gone. But um but God rewarded me. And it was it was Logan, my son, and Justin, my son, is back there in the sound booth, and Aaron, my son, is over here. And I got another son in Lexington. He and his wife go to Southland because they work up there and live up there. I got eight beautiful grandchildren. But God has fathered me all through these years. And one thing that I'd like to say is um, you know, there was, there was no, no men in the church stepped up. To help a 10-year-old, 11, they knew who my dad was. They knew what our family was living in. I have six brothers and sisters, seven brothers and sisters. They knew, but no man in that church stepped up to help a hurting kid who needed a dad, who needed a father, who needed a mentor. I had to turn to God. But you know what? God came through. He was there every single time that I needed him. He was always there and still is today. He's just um, um this past week has just been real special. I'm um, spent time with him in in meditation and prayer, but it's like That first year I was saved, I just like fell in love with God. I just, I didn't just get saved, I fell in love with him. Fell in love with spending time with him, spending time in his word. And see, he began to reveal things to me in his word that I knew had to come away from the church that I got saved in. Because it wasn't... I mean, we decided we was moving to Kentucky. We were in Indiana. And we got a lot, of, um, a lot of rejection from the church because of the fact that we were leaving. But God has been through the thick and the thin with us. And if there's anything that I could say at all tonight is um, parents, be so aware of what you're exposing your children to. Because it affects them the rest of their life. Be so careful what you allow them to indulge in. Be so careful about everything that you say. About everything that you expose them to. About the things that you let go on in your home. I was exposed to all the alcohol. To all the... um, prostitution I was exposed to so many things don't expose your, protect your children protect your children and one of the things that I, I when I go to make a decision I think how would God handle this how would God react to this and I promise you if you always try to do it the way that you think God would do it based on him being a father God then you'll never make the wrong decision. You'll never make the wrong decision. Thank you for the opportunity, and I enjoy the word. Amen.
3: Didn't these guys do a good job here this evening? I say we just take a moment here and pray. Um, Let me ask this question. Who in here needs, needs prayer tonight? And you'd be willing to say, I, know I need some prayer for something specific. Anybody in here need prayer? Mackenzie, why don't you come up here if you would? Anybody else need prayer? I know you're like, well, now I don't. Clay, you just asked somebody to come up here. I don't need prayer anymore. You need prayer? You want to come up? I think sometimes, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of testimonies here recently. Of people that uh, whenever, you know, they're talking about taking that first step. And I know some, some folks have been saved. Uh, but there's even something about whenever you take a step in other ways. I mean, and I've gotten several testimonies from people in church recently who have said something like, you know, I went to the altar for the first time and the Holy Spirit just did an amazing thing in my life. Uh, or, or, you know, I, I came up for prayer and somebody behind me was praying for me. And when they started to speak, it was exactly what I was dealing with, what I was going through. And I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. I'd never felt anything like that. And so sometimes you have to, you have to believe that the Spirit is able to break through because of your obedience and because of your response. And I think sometimes we get in a, in a habit of, of, of doing kind of like what, what Logan was saying, rather than going and taking a step with what... God is calling us to, or even what we've experienced, we sort of sit back on our laurels and think, well, you know, we don't even believe God's supernatural. But God calls us into something, and He says, if you share your testimony, I'll do something supernatural. If you respond to the Word, I'll do something that you can't do. If, if you take a step of faith and ask me for healing, I'll touch your body. And, and, and there's something about being able to do that. And so even, even the people of God, uh, we, we believe that God is a miracle-working God. But we can't say that we believe God is a miracle working God and then never pray for people. We can't say that we actually want to see people saved and never share our testimony. But if we instead take what the Word of God is saying and say, no, well, I'm going to step into this. I'm going to pray for sick people. I'm going to give an encouraging word. Uh, you know, I, I went to a place this morning, and when I went, um, I, I looked at this lady in the eyes. I picked up something from her. She was at this office. Picked up something from her. And I, and I looked in eyes, and I was like, Something something grabbed me, but you know, I mean 90% of the time. I'm, I'm probably like you guys I'm just sort of self-centered and focused. You know what I'm saying But Amen me tonight And so I walked out of the door and I get in the car and it I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said because I've been thinking about Being on mission, you know what I'm saying I've been trying to live my life on mission like every day God's giving me mission and it's like the Holy Spirit said to me Claire you on mission. I was like well, of course big dog. What do you think? And he said, well, how come how come you didn't how come you didn't follow that nudge and speak to that lady? So I call, I get back to the church, instead of pulling, turning around, I get back to the church and I call that office. And I said, I said, you don't really know me. I don't really know you, but you're the one. Um, and I said, this is probably gonna be strange said but i've had you on my heart ever since i left and i've had a little nudge from the lord and i really felt like i needed to pray for you and she immediately as you could tell that it touched her immediately and she said my mother just passed away and she said and i was just burdened beyond what i could what i could deal with and i said well the lord just wanted me to tell you that he loves you and and that he and that he wants to strengthen you he wants to encourage so i prayed over and she seemed to be really blessed by i don't know how weird she thinks i am But, but you know that's beyond the point we're supposed to be a little bit weird amen and, and so, but but follow those nudges because that's where the life of God is. And so when you have a nudge in church, do not allow the fear of man to keep you from following the nudge. Yeah. If, it's pra- if it's praying for somebody, you have that nudge, yeah. right? There you go. Amen. Do, do you want to say something?
4: I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just say like, um, I was raised in a very I was in a Baptist church where you don't raise your hand because then like something's going on in your life and then like they'll talk about you when you leave. And um, so it wasn't, I guess I'm sharing my testimony. Wow, (laughs) this is so freaking me out. When you, when I, one of these days when I get to tell you full circle how this moment is for me. Um, But I have really in the past probably, Nine months have the absolute hardest, now I'm gonna cry, hardest times of my life. And before that, God has had this plan all along that I never even knew that He had. And um, I've always been raised in church. I know what to do, I know what to say, I know that I'm, I need Jesus, and I knew how to say the prayer. But as far as like getting a relationship with Him, I never truly understood that. And um, it, it started from meeting some friends. Um, I would left the school, and it was just, I think Latrice was like cleaning my house. <laughs> and it started with, hey, won't you go out and eat? And it started with this circle of girls that I knew that I was going to need, and I had this connection with that I didn't know how. And so um, even our first time we go out and eat, I found out I'm pregnant. And I have a beautiful baby boy and my husband. Um, Luke's four, who's over there somewhere, but I shared the experience of, like, I'm pregnant with these girls and they, they love on me. They um, go through the season. We go to the first ultrasound and there's no baby. And this is December 22nd. We had been at City at Hope maybe since September. So, you know, we're, we're, we're my faith is good. Like this season in my life and then this hits me. And I have these friends, and I have this church, and I, I, I'm a teacher. And so, you know, I always put on this face of like, everything's fine, and I'm, I wasn't. And I just heard God tell me, like, I'm working. I'm working. And even before this, I, Casey shared her testimony of when she lost her baby. And I'll never forget one time I said, I hope God One of these days I get to share, have something that's altering that I'm going to get to share my testimony. I want to do that one day. And so these girls are awesome. I make it through, and then here comes April. And it's a hard month for my husband and I. We've just struggled in all levels. We find out we're pregnant again. We're excited. Um... And we hear a heartbeat, And it's awesome, and the doctor tells us the chances of us miscarrying again are are less than five percent. And um, I'm anxious. So I go and get the gender reveal test. I find out that we're having a little boy. Um we name him Liam, like we were ready to go. Um, I can finally breathe again. And I just feel such at peace. Um it was on my mom's birthday in um, June, and we start having some issues and um, my cousin-in-law is the nurse practitioner and I called her and I said Becky um, I'm, I'm spotting I, I think I need to come in and be checked and we go Monday morning at eight o'clock Nathan and I thinking that everything is going to be fine and I'm going to see my little baby on that screen and I do but he doesn't have a heartbeat and so I think like all this time, you know, we built this faith, and God's told me that He's working. And it's, I've got this beautiful baby on the screen, but, it, you know, the, the lady's saying, Well, you know, we're having trouble finding its heartbeat. And, and a mom knows, <laughs> I said, You know, it's not there. And so I was probably at the lowest point of my life. I've never, like, had mental illness or anything like that but i was so mad i thought you know what i'm doing right i'm coming to church i'm i'm feeling your presence i know you're here and you're telling me that you're working and i've seen you worked and then you've just let me down and so we came to church and i was mad and i and i have this conviction because i know that we're supposed to understand god's will and that I guess for better times, we're just supposed to deal with it, if that makes sense. And so I decided I was coming to church, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sing a word. I'm going to sit here with my arms crossed, and I'm just going to go through this motion, and then I'm going to go eat Mexican, and life's going to be good <laughs> afterwards. And I don't remember that moment, but somebody had said, you have got... I'm here for you. You're gonna to have to just give it to me. You're gonna to have to let me trust. You're gonna to have to just lay your burdens at my feet. It might have been Caitlin. I don't even remember at the moment. And I looked at Nathan and I said, I don't know how. I'm in, I'm a person that is in control. I like to be the boss. I like to be in the moment of that situation. And. Clay's word was just so intentional for me at that, that day. And it was just like God was just giving me, I call them Jesus winks. And um, I knew I needed to go to the altar. And before my knees hit the ground, I had friends that had my back. And that day I gave it to God. I gave it I laid it down on his feet. The hurt that I had was removed from me. And I just had this peace And so, and through this whole process, we've had wonderful doctors who were like, you know, there's some reason why you're carrying these babies. And it was a lot of blood work and a lot of everything. But before I say that, I do wanna say this. Um, It was a couple of weeks ago and we didn't make it to church, but I was watching it online. And a lady started speaking in tongues I come from a church I'm not used to that, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, okay, good. Good. But when Clay started interpreting that, it hit me so hard. Luke was sitting in the floor. I went to my niece and it was he was telling me, it was like, You will share your story. And Casey, that conversation came to me that like, you will share, you will share this and I made a Facebook post because you know that's what we do because that's our outlet is put it on Facebook and seeing God work through all of this well this past week Clay actually messaged me today I was at a training um, in my job but we got blood work back that I actually have two clotting disorders and just to put it all together one clotting disorder is a rare genetic disorder and I'm like ten or seven times likely to have blood clots. And um, the doctor pretty much told me she was like, "You need to start aspirin now." So this all comes to say that like, my little boy over there is a walking miracle. I had no issues in his pregnancy at all. Um. I have had 15 surgeries in my life, and I have never had one blood clot or one indication of that. And so, you know, I've lost these babies, and they're my babies, and when I get to heaven, I can't wait to see them. But God also, without going through this, I would have not found out that I have this disorder that could have, like, took me from Luke. And so I'm seeing the full circle. And that whole time of him saying, watch me work, he has been. So we go and see a hematologist in a couple of weeks. And they're hoping that um, by taking some blood thinners that we could have another successful pregnancy. And I believe in my heart that God's going to give us that. But I'm also at the point where, like, um, if he doesn't, he's still good. And just like that song that's really big right now, all he's ever been is kind to me. And even in my moment when I wasn't kind to him, he was so kind to me. And now it's all coming full circle. And I cannot believe I'm standing up here at this moment. But I do want you to know that like this nine months, it's took nine months to watch him work. And maybe the point was me standing here today, because let me tell you something, I would not be, (laughs) I mean, I I teach and I'm actually like a presenter with Save the Children, so like I do trainings all day long. But this is something that I would never thought I would do. Like you said, coming out of your comfort zone. And he was itching at me. And when that word testimony came up on the board today, I was like, (laughs) you know, it it was like, okay. (laughs) So, um, but anyways.
3: Stay right there. And let's pray for you.
4: Okay. Let's let's stand our feet.
3: Some of you gather around her if you would. That uh, some of you women maybe want to pray for her. And I know Sherry. Some of you gather around Sherry here. Um. Let's just begin to pray for some folks. If you need prayer, just come up here and get in the water if you want to. I think sometimes when we gather around, Lord just comes sets on His people. So Lord, we just call upon Your name. It's the name that's above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know every need in this house, God, from the front to the back. Lord God, every wound, every pain. And Lord Jesus, you are a healer. And so, God, we pray for healing of every wound in this house, God, in Mackenzie's heart and beyond, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would enter into every pain and every wound, Lord Jesus, and you would bring healing, and you would bring freedom, and you would bring peace, and you would bring comfort, God, right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we speak to sick bodies, Lord, that have ailments and and even diseases, and we, we, we we declare and proclaim the fact that Jesus, on the cross, you died to take away our sins, Lord, but you also in your own body bore those stripes that by those stripes we might be healed. So we command a word of healing right now into Mackenzie's body. Lord God, to that specific disease, God, that's causing blood clots to be removed and uprooted from her body. And Lord God, we believe you, Lord, for the desires of her heart, God, which is a healthy pregnancy, Lord God, to come forth, Lord, and so many other people that are dealing with the same thing and dealing with the wounds from loss. Lord, bring healing and bring redemption, God, and bring restoration. Lord, you're a God of redemption. Lord, you bring things back. You you lift us up out of the miry pit and you set our feet upon a rock and you establish our goings, God, and you put a new song in our mouth God and a testimony in our mouth Lord Jesus and so I pray that you would do just that Lord for what Sherry is going through and for what every other person in this room I know that there are people God in this room tonight that are struggling that need a touch from you and I pray God that you would reach down with your hand to do a miracle in their lives and in this moment let it be a marked moment of your presence where they know Lord God you are with them and you are for them and your blood Jesus is enough that they are forgiven they are set free they are delivered are healed God and they can leave here today filled with the power of your spirit to do Lord God what you have called them to do. Lord Jesus we need you. We need your burden. We need your spirit. We need everything that you are and we pray tonight that you would fill us afresh with your spirit as we go out of these doors today and just like the woman at the well God give us an encounter with you that causes us to go tell people come see a man that knows every single thing about me. Come see a man that's able to do miracles. Come see a man that'll change your Heart and change your mind and change your life. Lord Jesus, we love you, we thank you for it all, and we believe you, God, for testimonies and miracles that take place tonight in this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.